Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dadcast. I am JP. That guy is Nick, and the other guy making his very first official appearance as one of the hosts of Dadcast, Mr. Jesse Dugas. How are you, sir? Great, brother. How are you? I'm good, man. Nick, how you doing today, bud? I'm good. Health is, the health is good. Everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah, today. Good today. <laughs> good today. All right. Well, that's, I guess that's all we can ask for. Right on, man. Exactly. Well, uh, welcome to 2024, albeit a tad bit late. Uh, we've had some hiccups with the internet and all kinds of crazy things over the last couple of weeks, but we're finally back on track. We are with an amazing guest. Welcome to the show, Mr. Rob Oberhofer. How you doing, bud? I'm good. I'm good, gentlemen. I appreciate being here. I love what you guys are, what you guys are doing. Um, and we finally made it. Like yes. you said, we've had a couple uh, hiccups. It's um, like, I feel like the hat you're wearing right now should be uh, sent to the, our, our internet service provider, which will not be named. <laughs> yeah. This hat, uh, it's more for me than anybody else. I think I, gotta, right. you know, I, I think could... we're going to get into that a little bit here, man. So uh, as the, well, you as, are a Raider fan, right? I live in Vegas. I, to be honest, full disclosure, the only sport I watch is UFC. I don't watch anything else. Cool. All right. All right. Well, there you go, Jesse. You lucked out, Charger <laughs> fan. And today is literally in real time, you guys, as we speak, Jesse, uh, we got on. And I think the first thing he said to me was, you're screwed. And because th- we just found out the Chargers hired Jim Harbaugh as the coach. So, yeah, congratulations there, Charger fan. Mm-hmm. Should be good. Chargers, huh? Uh, I got to connect you guys. I'm real close with Sean Merriman. Ooh. I can get him on the po- Maybe I can get him on Let's the podcast. I'm pretty sure I can get him on the podcast. Dude, um, absolutely. I, uh, I, I'm wearing all my Raider gear that day, though, just so you know. So I, I actually have a Merriman jersey. When we do that, though, we're doing it in person, so Sean will kick your ass. I'll take it, man. That's some good footage. That's content I, right I'm, there, Nick. Please, uh, I know we got a, a good show ahead of us, but remind me after this. I'll shoot him a text. Uh, he, he, he'll come up. Now, sure. being that you're in Vegas, Rob, do you do you? You know what? Hold on. Let's back up. First of all, Rob. I have one question for you. Two questions just right off the bat. Okay. First of all, the rite of passage here on Dadcast is the first question: Are you a dad? Yes. Yeah. Tell us, man, how many kids you got, ages, names, all the goods. All right. So uh, in my previous, my second marriage, I'm on my third now. Uh, I'm oh, a boy. professional dad and a professional husband. Um, I, my, my ex, when I met her, had an 18-month-old and a six-month-old, and I took them on as my own and, and legally adopted them and raised them. Uh, they're going on to be uh, 16 and, and 14 this year. And uh, I have an eight-year-old with my ex biologically, my, my daughter. So two boys uh, that are older than I have my daughter. And then I have my beautiful one-year-old Cash Monroe on the, laying on the floor over there that uh, my, my wife and I have, um, you know, we've been blessed to have uh, another girl. So yeah, four. Two boys, yeah. two girls, man. Well done. That's awesome like completing the set. Now, now backing up a tad, uh, are you really a professional husband if it takes three times? Just curious, you know. No, now I am. I wasn't then. <laughs> right on, man. Now, Rob, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? What is your claim to fame? And being a dad is not the answer. You know, I I, I have lived many lives, you know, in my short, almost 38 years. I'm still young, but I've done so much, you know. Uh, I'd say my first identity was uh, U.S. Army military police sergeant, you know, combat vet did that for for almost a decade. Um, and that, that was who I was through and through. Uh, I was going to do that until I was old and gray and the military got rid of me um, or I was going to die on duty. That, that's all. That's all I did. That, that was my life. Um, Post military an active duty, I became a contractor in New Jersey and I helped train guys um, in, you know, tactics to get ready to go overseas for deployments, uh, from clearing houses and non-lethal weapons and all that, that cool guy stuff to prep them and give them a little check mark saying they know just enough to, to get on the plane. Um, and then I got hired with the department of defense in 2017, 2016. And I became a, like a tactical non-lethal weapons instructor. And I was a part of the department of defense police, 
Um, and I, you know, did, did that up until I'd say my fall in the late of 2017 with my PTSD and addiction at that time. Uh, um, I'm sure we'll get to that going on six years sober. And, uh, I decided, uh, I wanted to figure out who, who, who's, who's Bobby outside of the military. And, uh, thankfully, uh, the U S military gives you your benefits. So I still had my GI bill benefits and I went to barber school. Then I moved to California. I went to cosmetology school because I wanted to open a business before COVID and, in my mindset, how I was taught, I can't lead from the front. If I cannot do your job, I have no business telling you what to do. So I figured I'm going to learn all the aspects of hair. And I was going to open a, a barber shop, tattoo shop, and, you know, salon all in one in, in the Bay Area. All right. And then, uh, yeah, then COVID hit. And there was no, we all know how that went. You couldn't cut hair. Uh, I was very happy. I didn't fall through with any, any VA business loans and invest but I still needed income because I got, you know, a squad and I decided to use the rest of my benefits. And I went to the San Francisco film school for the remainder of COVID and just tried to follow that artistic route. Um, pick this, this is in out of my mouth. And uh, I did that up until oh, a year and a half ago. And, uh, during some of that time I was going to school because of COVID on zoom you know, for, for anybody, especially, uh, I was older than most of the teachers. It, it wasn't the best learning experience for me, but as a dad, I was getting, uh, 5,000 a month. I know a lot of people don't talk about money, but you know, hopefully some soldiers will see this, uh, that are kind of lost. San Francisco pays the most per capita in the entire United States to people that go to school there as a, as a monthly allowance to be able to support your family and uh, pay the bills while you go to school. So I was very grateful to get paid the entire time during COVID plus my disability. Um, and during that time we were in Vegas and I'm a huge UFC fan. I mean, like crazy to the point where, uh, I'm one of the only people to ever stand outside of the UFC headquarters building with a sign that says uncle Dana, Iraq vet, let me watch the fights. And I'm very, I'm one of the only people to ever actually get in the building and build a relationship with Dana white and go to a bunch of fights, um, and network, to meet friends of Dana, who in turn is why I'm in Vegas. I was asked to come host a fight show in Las Vegas on a podcast uh, under a, a, a network called the Junkies Podcast. Tony Orlando, the famous yeah, singer, we know him. Yeah, we're, we're very familiar with yeah, all those. They're all friends yeah. of ours. Yes, so, we've been in that so studio. John, yep. Yeah, so John asked me personally to come out and host the show, and I did it for about eight months. And um, you know, in the last two and a half months, uh, I've moved on to awesome opportunities. And now I'm a co-host with MMA weekly, one of the biggest juggernaut media companies in the entire world. Um, almost 2 million followers across all social media platforms. And, uh, I host my own show life of war for people who have been through addiction, homelessness, mental health, divorce, custody, Iraq combat vets. Um, and I'm just trying to give back cause I've been through so much and I have so much experience under my belt. Uh, I wanted to do something that I felt really came from the heart instead of just trying to make content. So, so the answer now, I really could honestly say I'm an entrepreneur. I, I, I hang out with a lot of um, very successful multimillionaires and I'm trying to learn from them how to build my own community and start my own masterminds and uh, just surround myself with people that I aspire to be like uh, so I can earn a better living on my own, on my own time. Cause I've lost so much time. I used to work 12 and a half hour shifts every single day with an hour commute both ways. And, uh, I was worn out and now I spend probably more time than my wife would like, uh, with her and our daughter. So now nah, <laughs> yeah, she may I'm, say that, but in the back of her head, that's very, very fortunate. I think she thinks yeah. she's right there. We can so ask I, her. Yes, yeah, she is there. What do you think? Am I, am I home too much? <laughs> she laughs. JP, were you with me in Vegas when uh, when Dana was at Sticky Paws? No, I uh, I was there helping mutual friend Brian and got to meet Dana yeah. when uh, when Dana was on John's podcast. I happened to be oh. in Sticky Paws working with Brian. Yeah, I was there yeah. for Randy Couture. Awesome. I was there when Randy Couture was there, uh, so got to hang out with him for a little bit. He was on on Brian's podcast. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Randy's. Randy's great. I was just cage side with him for uh, the Extreme Guitar GI Foundation at the Sahara uh, for the fights. And I brought a buddy of mine I was in Iraq with his, uh, unfortunately he had just had one of his friends he served with take his life, which happens a lot as we know, 22 a day. So 
he was kind of down and out and I brought him to the fight and it, and it, well, that just reminded me of what else I'm doing. That turned into like me deciding that on top of all the podcasting, uh, I started a new venture. Uh, it's like a veteran experience that's attached to MMA weekly. And I now take, uh, veterans that are real down and out and depressed, basically where I was six years ago, try to find people that are in that headspace that I, I can, you know, literally say like, I get it, bro. Like I've, I've been there and I take them out. Uh, I took a guy two weeks ago, uh, indoor skydiving with his wife. Um, and we took him to a, a friend of mine at the art district owns soul belly barbecue. And, uh, you know, we just gave him the works for the day and gave him a good time. And we're going to, we're I'm hoping, uh, by the end of the year, we, it ends up being on discovery or travel channel. That's the the goal. And, uh, every year, uh, every week I want to fly somewhere, find a vet, take them to, you know, a charters game or, or yeah. something cool and vlog the whole thing. That, that's my goal. I have a, uh, I feel like this is going to be plagiarism kind of sort of, but I, I have something I haven't heard from this guy. Okay. I'm very like, yeah, what the hell are you talking about? JP spit it out. I knew a guy who kind of did exactly what you just described. Um, but I haven't heard from him on social media in years and I haven't seen anything about his nonprofit, which I'm going to tell you about, um, in years either. So I feel if you want to take any piece of this and run with it as part of your own foundation that you may create, have at it. And, and bro, I, I even forgot your name. If you end up seeing this podcast, man, I'm sorry. Y'all should collaborate, et cetera, et cetera. But he had this thing called heroes meeting heroes. And his, he was a vet, combat vet. He, he, he's got, he got blew up. I mean, he's got scars to prove it. And he came back and he was just, you know, I mean, I, I didn't surf. I, I couldn't even begin to understand or even try to. That's none of my business, but I do have sympathy for that. And he came back. I met him at a concert and that I was promoting and he happened to be here in the, the whole gist of heroes meeting heroes is he would get a group of heroes, you know, some vets, some war vets and bring them to concerts to meet their heroes, you know, whatever bands or whatever. And I thought that was just the coolest idea. And, and, and it seemed like every band they, as soon as they heard about it, they, they went the extra mile. They actually brought these kids, these men on stage and allowed them. This one guy, he was a vet. He played guitar. It was, I forget the name of the band, but they were big. Let him play guitar on stage with them. It's like the height of the show. And it was just, it was so cool. It was so great. And just seeing the smile. And these are guys that weren't smiling all day. And all of a sudden you couldn't take that smile off their face at the end of the day. Um, what you're doing resembles that to me, you know, it, it kind of, it right there, heroes meeting heroes and that's cool, man. That's just amazing. And I wish he was still doing it. And I saw it on social media. I don't, you know, like, again, don't know what the deal is or why it isn't, but that's amazing. Yeah, it's a lot. Ex execution has become something that I'm getting really good at, but it's hard for a lot of people. And it can be where you're based. Like you guys are, or, you know, up North, I'm in the Mecca of, the world right now. So like, uh, and, and because of my connections, like speaking to Sean Merriman, he owns lights out fighting championship. Um, and I'm going to be going to Palm Springs and taking a bet on the 16th. Uh, I'm friends with the founder of five finger death punch. So Dan Bathari, he wants to help. Um, I talked to, you know, real close with Sean Kelly, Sean, Mike Kelly, who's got, you know, the number one marketing podcast on earth right now. And he's helping me, uh, connect with a lot of the other, uh, high level entrepreneurs and people, um, that are in his circle. And, because of where I'm at, I can execute because every single weekend there's something going on here. Uh, and yeah, the UFC, I, I have a meeting with Dana soon because I go to a lot of fights, but I want to get some extra access to bring, you know, uh, a vet with me. And, um, I'm excited because once I stopped focusing on me and I started focusing on like, forget the money, forget all that. Once I, I just focused on helping other people, my life is just, slowly started to change uh for the better i think this, this is like super cool like a bunch of my friends were ex-military and when they came back the th the big thing was let's let's go party let's get drunk let's do drugs let's get fucked up this is like a much better route than losing yourself that way you're showing these guys there's better ways to do things more productive things to do and life is just way cooler sober and it's just i, I think it's it's great well, yeah, and it's a, uh, I mean, thank you for continuing to serve. Yeah. Thank you for the time you put in and continuing to serve. My oldest son is currently enlisted in the Army, uh, works intelligence in Maryland, 
So in his, in his fourth and possibly final year, uh, he's looking to get out and branch into law enforcement possibly. So it's a, a thank you. I mean, it's the stories that you're telling and in, in doing this is, is needed and very much underappreciated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no one's coming to help us, you yeah. know, We're, especially us. We all know dads are, uh, you know, the, the, the pillar of the family that will literally uh, walk around with their chest out and head, head held high. But we just teared up in our car in the parking lot uh, uh, while we, you know, are in our driveway. And uh, that's just, it's, it's good. And I think that's great that, that we, we are strong and we need to be for our families. But when, when you see a guy like me, six foot, 200 plus pounds, tatted to the gills, who's been to war, been through all this stuff. And I say it's okay to tear up and I physically do it on podcasts. Uh, and I let people who think they're weak for doing that. Or I say, nobody, everybody's scared of being judged for, and, and I say, what do you think? I'm weak. You know, like, cause whenever I'm in my presence in, in a room of people, it takes over the room. Um, you can't, you can't tell somebody that they're weak for, for being vulnerable. And I think that that narrative needs to change. Uh, we don't need to be victims. That's also another problem. Everybody wants to be a damn victim, uh, especially in the military community, uh, walk around like they're 80 and live off their disability. Like, like their life's over, but we need to, nobody's coming. That's my point. We got to help each other. And, and that's why I'm doing it. What are you doing to instill that mindset on your kids? Or do you? Yeah, I, uh, I, I think I'm just consistent. I'm just this guy. Um, and I'm just, I'm open, you know, and, and I communicate a lot and, and I try to, you know, say like, don't, and my dad always said, my dad was a cop in New York city. Uh, he was from Brooklyn. He was in nine 11, lost his partner. He went through a lot, pretty hard man. And, and uh, wasn't the best communicator. He's pretty quiet, old school. And he always said, like, don't get mad, don't get sad, get mad. I remember playing T-ball and like, or little league, you know, 30 some years ago. And he would say, don't get sad, get mad. And, and I still live by that, but I, I've kind of transitioned into like the world's changing uh, our voices and content and certain things are becoming more valuable than, than being the, the, the tough guy. And I just try to, I try to give everything I can to my kids and just be, the same person every day. You know, I had so many years with the addiction that I was up and down and, and I didn't even know who I was. And, and now that we made it through that, God willing, I'm just trying to say it's okay to not be okay. And I'm here and, I, and I'm open to listen. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing we got to do as dads is just be like, I want to be the guy that you go to. And I, I don't, right. you know, I don't want you to go to somebody. Yeah. That's it. We got to be, we got to be that guy. We have to. That's what I struggle with too. It's, I had this conversation with my son. He's 13. He's uh, he's going through some pretty gnarly changes right now. The natural changes. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. my, my my lady called it. She took a picture of it. He has an armpit stash that's just appearing, <laughs> which is her funny way of saying he's got armpit hair growing. And sorry, son, if you see this, I don't mean to embarrassing you. So don't show hey, you. Hey, we've all been there. Right? We've all been there. Exactly. But I, I constantly tell him, like, Good or bad, I am proud of you. You know, and if there's ever a problem, you, I'm the guy, man. I am your dude. You know, it, whether it's you're stoked on something that happened in your life or, God damn it, you did something terribly wrong and you know I'm going to be mad, whatever, and everything in between, come to me. Talk to me, okay? And I got the blank stare while having the conversation, and it's happened a lot. And as I feel like, oh, it's so, what more can I do? to, you know, instill that, that my baby girl, no problem, man. Tenure, she comes with everything. And it's just that damn puberty. It's starting with the boy. Now, I'm telling Dad. you right now, man, like that's like the funny part. So like when my boys were that age, now that they're 16 and up, they don't shut up. Like, it's like, Hey dad, I need this dad, dad, dad. So it's like, just keep doing what you're doing. It works. Yeah. Well, he, trust me, he doesn't have a problem asking for money. It's when oh. you have a conversation, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. we're talking about life in the future yeah. and, and, and who I am, my role, who I am to you and, and what I continue to be and always will be as long as I have breath in these lungs in this life. I'm your guy, man. You can always come to me. And I just, it kind of, it'll sink in eventually, but it feels like it's still just it'll going right yeah. over his head. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we, we all remember, right. We all, we all kind of remember the time that it sunk in for us. My, I was probably, 
Gaza in my twenties. Yeah, easily. <laughs> and, and now I look back and I'm like, wow, you know, but then I didn't want to hear nothing, you know? Yeah. So, do you, uh, yeah. do you parent your, uh, your boy, your sons and daughters differently? I've got three of so my three oldest are all boys. So I've got a 22 year old, a 16 year old and a six year old that are boys. And I've got a three year old little girl. And I find myself absolutely parenting her differently than I ever have. Do you find that same thing parenting your, uh, your sons to your daughters? Well, you know, and I'm in a different unique situation. We were just fighting for custody. My, my ex is in Texas. So I've unfortunately due to my own decisions, I lost. Yeah. 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 All my exes, uh, (laughs) because of my, my, uh, PTSD and just my own decisions uh, of using and just being an angry, uh, hurtful person, I've lost a lot of time with them. Um, but I distinctly remember, you, you know, my daughter is my biological daughter and the boys I've raised them since they were babies. And I've never once ever treated them different. You know, they have my name. They're, they're my, 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 my sons. You know? I'm the same way. So my oldest that's in the army, he was three when his mom and I got together, yeah. legally adopted, same thing. But I remember vividly being told, Hey, you're treating her differently than you treated them at that age. And I, and I, I remember my answer at the time was like, well, they're, they're almost 10 years older and they're boys and she's a baby girl. Like, of course I'm going to treat them different. Um, but looking back now, I could definitely, maybe it was a, a paternal thing or is like, I was still trying to figure out how to be a dad. Cause I got thrown into, I mean, overnight I became a dad, you know? Um, but I, I think we have to parent. And just like when I used to tell my soldiers, I got to, I got to treat everybody as an individual. I can't lead you the same as I lead them uh, or him as her, because you, you know, you guys might really uh, listen to an aggressive sergeant in your face saying, if you don't make it up the mountain, you're going to fucking die. Well, the the next soldier might break down because he, he's not, you know, he's not used to that. And you need to coddle them a little more. It's kind of why I got out of the military back then. I was starting to get real weak because all my sergeants threatened to murder me every day. Um, but uh, <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's just, this life trying to figure out personalities. My oldest son, uh, he's on the spectrum. So he grew up going to ABA therapy, OT and speech, uh, twice a week. And my middle guy, uh, the youngest Nolan, he's, a he's a wrecking ball. I mean, this guy would get in trouble for tackling people in T-ball and you know, he, he wants to ride dirt bikes and jump off the house. He's me literally. Um, but yeah, parenting, man, I never thought, I would, for one, uh, have daughters that right uh, there. Uh, yep. That's, that's what, that's what did it. The boys, I was like, all right, but once you have a little girl changes everything. Yeah, I, I get it. So my, uh, my 16 year old sprained his MCL in a basketball game Friday night, get up, rub some dirt on it. My little girl jumps off the couch and I'm like freaking out. It's, <laughs> it's, it's completely different. Hey, uh, can I ask you a personal question? Please, please. So, you know, addiction in society is gnarly. For most people to get over that and deal with it, they have to have that moment in their life, that trigger that says enough's enough. Did you have that moment or was there something else that, that got you to break your trend? You know, you know, I just, I just had this conversation uh, on my show like last week. It's funny. You would think that rock bottom, I can distinctly like looking at all the events that have happened in my life. I could point out like getting in trouble, getting arrested, uh, being told uh, I'm facing 99 years and my bail is 350 grand and being stuck in solitary while I'm detoxing off of opiates. And then I got served divorce papers. If you look at the, the broad spectrum of everything I've been through, that would be rock bottom for almost anybody. But as soon as I got out, uh, I, re- I relapsed, you know, and, uh, I was, I was in County for a while. My dad bailed me out and I remember calling him and said, you got to get me out of here. I've been a police officer this whole time. Like I can't be in here. And, uh, he said, no, I don't hear it in your voice and hung up on me, and, Ooh, you know? Fuck. And, uh, I didn't get out until he said, all right, I, I think you really are starting to repent a little bit. He left me in there for a while. Talk about um, a parenting moment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dad, you got it. I'm in solitary. I'm real sick. Uh, you know, I'm in trouble. Yeah. You didn't learn nothing right now. Jackass hung up. Um, that would be rock bottom, but I'm trying to figure out what, and I've asked a lot of addicts and, and I've interviewed hundreds of homeless people. And I, I've obviously, I know a lot of addicts from the, the sober community. Like why, like, what is that 
thing that makes us decide to stop. And I, I think for me, I just, I think for me, honestly, it was more of a, like, I'm going to prove all of you wrong more than I wanted to stop, which is selfish, you know, but I think that's what it was like, fuck you guys. I I'm not who you say, like I used to be a, it's the competitive a, you know, a nature in you, which turned out to be your saving grace. Yeah. You yeah, may exactly. call it selfish, but I mean, I think in everybody, I mean, we, you know, you were talking about being able to tear up on a daily basis. I think we've all been there. Um, as dads, we give up so much in our lives on a day to day to be a parent. Congratulations for being selfish. I mean, holy shit, it saved your life. Yeah, right? Yeah. We all need to be a little more yeah. selfish. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very selective and very selfish now. Um, you see that, honey? I mean, being selfish is okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and being around and talking to people like you, gentlemen, like, you know, everybody's, you guys aren't off the rails. You know, you're not going to get done with this and probably go do an eight ball or go, you know, punch your wife in the face. Every, everybody I surround myself with now is pretty, pretty solid. You know, we're, we're all got some demons, but we're, we're all gen genuinely through it, you know, the thick of it. And, and I think that's a big thing too. people, places and things. Now, granted, I don't go to meetings. I, I never, um, I've been to detoxes and, 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 you know, sent to the VA by, you know, by my own accord and, and escorted by the sheriff's, uh, which was great, you know, and, and uh, but I, I don't, I never identified as an addict. It was like drugs were my solution. They were never my, my problem. My problem was, uh, you know, going to war at 19, my mom leaving when I was a kid and like seeing all my dad's friends that I consider family die. 37 guys died in one day in 9-11 that I grew up with. Like it was just a culmination of things that I tried to numb. Like drugs were never the problem. So I never, I, I've been to tons of meetings, but I, I, everyone says, you know, did you do the 12 steps? And I'm like, no, I just, I did the steps I needed to take that work for me. You know, I, I think it's great if people do the steps and do whatever works for them. But I personally, I just had enough. It was like, eh, I'm, I'm not a drug addict. You know, I just chose to do that. And yeah, we're going on July 23rd, my, my oldest daughter's birthday, uh, will be six years this, this coming summer. So. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah buddy. All right. So eight years old, you said is the, the your first biological daughter, correct? Yeah, yeah. Nine years ago, you found out you were going to be a dad somehow, some way. Can you recall the emotions of that day? Well, it, it was a little different than most because good. My, uh, sounds my daughter, interesting uh, already. Well, my daughter, you know, we spent almost $50,000. Uh, she was in vitro. <laughs> so my, my ex had the boys and she had her tubes tied and burned. And uh, my dad's done very well for himself due to his sacrifice, uh, to this country, you know, he got a really big disability pension, um, and social security for what he went through in nine 11, you know, that he earned. Um, and I come home from the army with this woman that he told me not to bring home. He's like, don't just come home. You know, you're 26 at the time or whatever. Don't just come here and figure out who you are, get a police job, whatever. And he said, uh, well, I want grandkids. And she said, well, I, he said, I love the boys, but I still would like, you know, a biological grandson or something, you know, he's a crazy dad. So he, she said, I can't do it. My tubes are tied. And then uh, I don't know, he came in one day and was like, what's this in vitro stuff? And we're like, what are you doing on Google, old man? You know, <laughs> uh, and that was it. We, uh, we, we all decided that that's what we were going to do. And I mean, I stuck my ex in the stomach for, for two months with three needles a day. And, uh, yep. Yeah. This guy knows all about that. Yeah, my my last two babies are IVF babies. So yeah, oh, okay. we did the whole. I was I was fixed, got unfixed four years ago, and we tried and tried, didn't work out. So we did the IVF thing and had our three year old, and then we had our one year old. Oh wow! Yeah, it's um very very. You know, it's pushing different. You know, it's and he's got a one year old kid. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, but look at those guns. He's looking good, though. <laughs> In the gym every day, post the motivation. You know what's funny about, about IVF? You know, if you've gone through IVF, you know, but I'll explain a little. They um, Obviously, they uh, take your man's stuff and they, they put it, you know, with the women's stuff. But before they do that, they, they, uh, 
before they actually insert the embryo and in, back into the female, they, they put every egg that has, you know, gone together and they look at them under a microscope to see which one is the healthiest. Right. So they actually picked what they believe out of the 14 eggs that this was the healthiest or had the most probability for success. And then before we actually did it, they told my dad, Hey, for another like eight grand, you can test for down syndrome and all these other things. And he said, do it. So when they did it, the one that they picked, they found out would have been down syndrome or, or been a miscarriage. So we chose a different one and that's my daughter and she's perfect. Wow. Technology, man. Yeah, it's a, yes. Yeah. Dude. Science is so crazy. Dude. So you, uh, so you did all that process. Were you in the room on the day of? Oh yeah. I watched it's, they, it's a huge needle and then they got the egg on the end of no, it. No, no, I'm talking about birth. The, oh you, yeah. We, we, we got to, uh, we got to go back and talk about the, okay. The, the whole starting out of the IVF thing. It's it's not like having a regular baby. It's not, mm-hmm. I mean, it involves seventies porn, <laughs> a dark room. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's dark. <laughs> dude, you had a phone in your pocket, man. Right. A couple, a couple of nurses, dude, the seventies porn was so cool. It was like, <laughs> and, and the internet was so slow. I was like, is this going to happen? Is uh, it going to happen? The anticipation. Yeah. So anyway, Bush. Fast forward to the, the big needle. Yes. That needle is just, Oh, Ooh. yeah. You could see it on the x-ray yeah. go into the cervix. And then Ooh. you literally see the little like speck, like right. just stay in there. And then the needle comes out, but there's a little dot and that's your baby. Yep. And she, just, she keeps looking over your shoulder, you know, your wife there. Yeah. She hey. never come take a seat. <laughs> I love your socks. They're amazing. They said uh, they love your socks. They're amazing. <laughs> Her Christmas man. I was just talking about Natalie. Yeah, uh, but no, it was an emergency C-section. She had um, uh, what was it? What's that thing when the ankle gets real swelled up? I forget the name of it. Preeclampsia. So, I, I had uh, no answer. That must have been the wife that night. answered because we didn't. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, preeclampsia uh, is where the blood pressure goes up, and basically, baby's got to come out right. right now. So it was a emergency C-section uh, at night, um, and I remember. Did you oh, choose, man. did you guys choose the sex? Was that an option for? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've heard that that's an option to where you can choose. We were going to, but because uh, they did the extra and they found out only that one was the healthiest, we it was. But I didn't have a choice, funny enough. All 14 were girls. Oh. <laughs> All of them were females. And now I have another baby girl. Um, right. I think yeah. you could probably go the natural route if you attempted it. It'd be five more girls going for that boy would be. Yeah. Well, my, this my little girl in here, uh, na- uh, natural, my, my wife. And and uh, yeah, I'm I'm a girl dad through and through, you know. So. God, so. Oh, I, so okay. I want to try for another one. I want to, I want to try for a, a biological boy. <laughs> so that's the answer to a four. Uh, there, there's the answer to another question. Are we going to keep trying, et cetera, et cetera. There hey. she is. What's up, Smiley? What's her name? Her name is Cash with a K. Cash Monroe. Cash Monroe. Like Monroe. I feel like Johnny you and Cash. Brian have something in common. You're, uh, you're friends of uh, Marilyn and Johnny, and he's Elvis and Marilyn. You know, yeah, yep, exactly. yeah, literally. Oberhofer. Brian's, uh, CMO. Uba, Uba, now. Hey, with a K, actually. KMO. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, the three that I was a part of with my wife were all C-section. Uh, JP, were any of your C-section? No, Nick, man. you weren't either, right? She was. Did you, pass, did you pass out? Me? No. Yeah, I mean, you were. those were natural. Um, Rob, for your C-section, the emergency C-section that you were there. Um, no, no, but my, my, want ex, to. my ex was a complete demon and she still is after what she did with the custody battle. So I don't, I don't believe she had a soul. So she walked in there without a, without a worry. Huh? No um, she already had two C-sections with the boys. So this was her third. So. Mm. Uh, I was really nervous to the point where the anesthesiologist had to grab me and say, Hey man, everything's good. Because for me, everything's death. Uh, you know, after being blown up and seeing everything I've seen, um, my, my anxiety and my PTSD just goes right to, Oh, we're dead. Like that's it. There's no middle ground zero to 100. We are, we are all gone. That's it. So uh, 
I will definitely say that going through this pregnancy, because my wife's like, you already had a, a daughter, like, you know, what's up? And I'm thinking like, no, because that evil human already had two and she knew she did everything. So I was just kind of on the sidelines and now I'm expected to be the the dad with the knowledge, you know, right. and be the strong one for my wife. And I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to really try my best to be that guy, but I was super scared. And then uh, they had to induce her and uh, her, she didn't want to, the epidural um, because of the things she's been through, not herself with, with the drugs, but like her, she lost her best friend to uh fentanyl overdose, like not to, uh, it was right before the baby. Right. Yeah. So she normally in an epidural, they use fentanyl. So she told them, no, 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 we're not doing that. Um, so they had to make a different cocktail, but she was very scared for the, the epidural like anybody would be. Uh, but she didn't want it at first. She was, uh, having some contractions and she was like, I don't want the epidural. That's, that's for weak people and all this. I have the video of her saying that right. I have the video 16 hours later of her screaming at everyone in the room, get me that fucking epidural. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, get her the epidural. Um, but yeah, the, that, and then, um, I mean, she was, she was in labor almost 24 hours. We were at the hospital and it was, uh, you know, uh, it was, it was the most intense thing. I'd rather be on a rooftop in Northern Iraq, you know, running out of ammo than have to go through that again. That was, uh, a natural birth and, uh, just, Man, oh, watching, watching her go through it. Yeah, just, you know, these are my girls. This is my life. This is why I'm, I live and breathe. And I haven't, I can't do anything but pet your shoulder and say, you're going to be fine. Yeah, you know, like it's rough. It's <laughs> crazy. Go for the boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he just finished telling you how stressful it was. And now you're like, hey, for the boy. Let's, let's do it again. <laughs> hey, he already well, said he wanted to. Yeah, I hear well, you. She's about a week, week and a half late right oh, now. So we might be on our way. Oh, oh, oh. oh she's looking at you it's now. A girl. It's a girl. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's gotta the be odds a girl, are right? in the favor from what you've been saying. That it's going to be a no girl. But at least yeah, you got a women's basketball karma. team forming here. No, no. Yeah, we do. I, I feel it, boy. I feel it. All right. I All feel right. it, too. I latch what I look at. <laughs> boy, let's go. <laughs> I'm getting 50-50 boys and girls over here. <laughs> Rob, she said girl. who is your all-time go-to favorite UFC fighter? Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. I think we should make it easier. I think we should go all-time current and then all-time all-time. That, I, I like that because I was literally going through error. You know, I've been watching this stuff over 20 years. So, I mean, I was going all the way my back to the pride days. My question doesn't change. It and, still stands. Yeah, I, I you gotta uh, pick one. That's literally the definition of favorite, Jesse. You have a favorite. I didn't term. say give you me your favorite. top five. I said favorite. Let's go. I gotta go with. I gotta go with John Jones, man. I just relate to that guy. Yeah. Okay. You know, he's a bad he's, he's, man. <laughs> and he's literally like. I mean, I have gone out and partied and then put on my police uniform, shine my boots and work, you know, 12 hour shifts as a, as a leader in charge of a whole base of police after partying all weekend, hoping we didn't get popped, you know? Uh, and that dude has publicly said to like Daniel Cormier, who I'm trying to play golf with pretty soon. I'm still working on that, that, you know, I, I partied all weekend and still beat you and took the belt. Uh, <laughs> I just relate to the, the realness of that guy. I do love Eddie Alvarez, the underground, underground King Philly guy. Um, I know Frankie Edgar personally for, for a long time. Uh, I used to see him like quick check all the time. He's from Tom's river. I'm from Jackson. They're basically connected. Um, but yeah, I'd have to go with John Jones, but if we went through like errors, I would go like Anderson Silva or uh, yeah, Anderson. And then I'd go Frankie Edgar. I mean, back then and, and like DJ Penn era, um, Robbie Lawler, John Jones, um, Conor McGregor, and um, yeah, you know, and then up until now, I really, and, and I know him, I'm cool with him, Michael Chandler, uh, I see him, I've seen him many times, and we've, we've you know, shoot the, the breeze. Um, I like him a lot, too. I like the way he carries himself as a man. Will, you know, if I could. Will Conor win another fight in UFC? I, I, I think he can. I personally, and in my, my close circle out here, that's 
you know, intimately in that world of UFC. That's literally my life and my bubble. We don't think his comeback fight should be Michael Chandler. Uh, my wife will attest to it. We just saw him when we saw Dana like a month ago at the Red Rock. And uh, that boy's big. He's he's a little I told him he's a little too tan, but he's uh, he's jacked and he's living that life. He doesn't get knocked out quickly. And that's what Connor is right. going to look to do. And if he doesn't do it, it's going to be a bad Ah, Nate Diaz. I got to throw Nate in there. 209 at Bay Area. I got to throw Nate in there. Um, but I, I don't, yeah, I don't think he comes back and beats Chandler. I don't, I don't. He's posting about Roadhouse and drinking Bach on a yacht. Chandler's probably doing burpees right now. You, know? <laughs> you ever, uh, so you're at Red Rock with Dana. That's crazy. You're at Red What's Rock. That? You are at Red Rock with Dana. Was yeah, he's he there five, right. five was, days a week. Was he playing blackjack when you were there? Oh, that's all he does. He goes right in place. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a big blackjack guy and watch everything I can with him playing blackjack. Come out. We'll go over there. I'll, I'll, I'll take you into the room. It's tomorrow we'll soon. It's tomorrow. <laughs> no, it's not. I yeah, guarantee you. If, if, Jesse, if you, you ain't throwing down half a mil, though, in one night, my friend. No, I'm no, not. But I you could put I, a grand out. You know, we could play a hundred dollar plays, you know. Let's go. I'm in. I'll, I'll be there. <clears throat> In uh, 14 11 hours. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm literally, I'm, I'm so in 22, I was in Vegas. So we live all in uh, Southern Oregon. In yeah. 22, I made it to Vegas at least once a month, but the total to tally ended up being 25 times between going to Sticky Paws and just for fun and this and that and whatever. Uh, 25 times last year. When are you guys coming? I, I know your counterparts trying to convince uh, the people, his other half to come down here, but I what, try to get what? Nick to go every single time I go. And we finally got him to go and he had yeah. a goddamn stroke. So I mean, I mean, move down here. Oh, yeah. I know. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's our wives, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my wife would be okay with it. My if kid. We, yeah. My son's so I, uh, like every day, dad, can we move? Let's go to Vegas. Like we're not so, living on the strip, dude. Okay. Yeah, the, <laughs> the problem with me is I, uh, I'm too rooted down here until my six year old, 16 year old's gone. He's, uh, he's going to go play division one baseball somewhere. So he's, yeah, he's absolutely phenomenal. Um, so until he's a junior, so he still has his junior and senior year to go. Once he's done, it's actively being discussed. Yeah. And on yeah. my part, so, my, my wife, I like, mean, I take her to Vegas and she absolutely loves it. I mean, I'm sure enough. Yeah, JP, I saw it's my fault. When Nick had his stroke, <laughs> that was my first time in Vegas. And then Nick bounced like 10 minutes after getting there, trying yeah. to die on us and shit. And JP and I hung out. And and <laughs> since then, I mean, I pretty much mirror JP with the attempt. We both get everything comped when we go. I mean, we're there that much. And yeah, so it's, it's basically free as long as you, you know, don't fuck up gambling. That's what I keep saying. Yeah, I love it. People ask me all the time, how do you live in Vegas? Well, I, I never, I never moderately go to the strip, really. I live the cost of living. Yeah, the cost of living off the strip isn't bad. Guys, yeah. look, I'm going to show you real quick. Take, take, look. We're talking, and we were going. We didn't want to buy a house right away because we didn't know if we were going to love it here. But I paid nineteen ten after everything it comes out to. I don't know two thousand, but this place fifteen foot ceiling. It's huge. Literally, like two bedroom. You rent or did you buy it? We we rent. Yeah, yeah. A, it's a it's a luxury loft apartment. Two, you know, huge master bedrooms with master bath with jacuzzis, walk-in closet to the baby's room. Um, yeah, huge bathroom. You guys will like my bathroom. Yeah, that's the boys' oh, yeah. bathroom right there. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> What's that flag oh, yeah, behind got, you? Oh, that's just my. Oh, it's a shower curtain. Thing. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're getting yeah. a tour of Oberhofer's home. This is a first. Yeah. But, no guest has ever but, taken us through their home. Oh, yeah. look. You, huge. So big walk-in closets. You can't. I mean, I paid almost double this for a one bedroom, half the size when I was in the Bay Area. Yeah. And it's about know? that going rate in freaking Southern Oregon in Medford. Yeah. It's that yeah. Is. I, dude, I would love to move to Vegas. In my case, my lady, she's real close to her mom, and we also both uh, have a job. We work for the state uh, providing uh, uh, disability care for her brother who has, um, he has autism. But, like, 
it is extreme if that's even the proper way to put it as it goes he needs 24 7 care so we get uh you know we were we were able to basically i work and hang out with my brother-in-law and that's beautiful his mom her mom you know they're connected so if we go to vegas they got to go to vegas or yeah. as she says <clears throat> you can come back every weekend go ahead you know it's like <laughs> <laughs> my mother-in-law lives in napa and when we buy a house we're looking to get something that has uh like a, a little nice. one bedroom in the back like we, I, you know we don't nothing against her she's great but our house will be separate but if i can get a nice pool and then mother-in-law like unit yeah yeah in the yeah. basement I get, a block away you know it's okay I'm kidding. yeah you know stay <laughs> but yeah, that that's the goal um we just you know we came out here on a whim with orlando and we were like well let's see if we like it and we fell in love with this place uh two basically humongous pools and jacuzzis and a, a full gym and security and now how uh, far are you from the strip 30 minutes without traffic okay so yeah. I, I, where, where do you live what's the city I'm in Centennial Hills, so okay. I'm way northwest. Um, you got the strip here, and then all the way yeah, up yeah. the left is Red Rock, Summerlin. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then I'm 15 minutes north of uh, of Summerlin. Yeah, man. So is that I, where the this, uh, is that where the drag strip is? Close to it? Or is it no, the I'm on the, that. That's I'm on the way other side. That's the not so good side. But I don't know if you guys have ever been to like the big cities. I'm sure you have San Francisco, New York. I grew up yeah. in LA, man. I grew up Look in San that. Diego. Oh yeah, yeah. Hallway. yeah. Yeah, the whole building is just one. And like, if you took a skyscraper and laid it on its side and made it four stories, that's that's where we live. So um, we got you know a lot of a lot of security, uh, different access. I mean, I don't even have a code like a key. It's a it's a it's a code thing. You touch it and you got to put a code in. It's yeah, it's the weirdest building ever. Um, but we, we absolutely love being away. We don't we don't gamble. Much, you know, we don't we don't go to the strip. We got the baby. You know, we'll get a sitter. The last time uh, I was down there for more than shut up, Nick. So all I hear is uh we're gonna go hang out with Dana when I come. Wow. <laughs> he has Anytime. assumed the role perfectly, Nick. Are I you know, kidding wow, me? what a what a dick. Wow, I never was that bad ever. <laughs> and, and anytime no. I swear he's probably there. If you went if any of you guys could go on your phone right now, do me a favor. Go on, look at Bob Mennery's page, go to his story, and you that's that you'll know if he's on there the right because well, yep. well, they're doing that. The last time I was in Vegas for more than five minutes, we went with uh, TJ Lavin out to Boulder City. He was doing an open mic thing and he showed us out that area. That, that was like beautiful out there. It reminded me yeah. of like bars, like it was just old and just awesome. And yeah, we just went. TJ Have you heard of the Pioneer Saloon? Saloon? Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Yeah, we went out there. Oh, I'm just, I'm just yeah. teasing Nick. You know, my va I've been trying to get Nick to go back to Vegas with me for two years and it's always a no. No, no. Yeah. no. I'm, I'm done doing it. I'm making a plan. We're doing it. Okay, going. good. And I'm there too. So the reason I'm going okay. flying, I'm, I'm taking the lady every Valentine's day for the last five years at or around. I, uh, I take her to South Florida, Hollywood beach in particular. Um, okay. we just, we fell in love with it, man. We go check out the keys, but the secret reason is there is a place called the taco beach shack which is the best fish taco I've ever had in my entire life. And I've tested them out everywhere. Uh, that's <laughs> why we go. But we also fell in love with the place and, and just the whole area. Flying. Have you been to Destin? Oh, yeah. Destin's yeah, I, yeah. I got uh, Eric Stone. He's a, uh, a trop rock musician. He's a guitarist, singer, singer, songwriter. He lives in Destin. A place got wiped out close to it a couple years ago in that damn storm. But sorry, hold on. Yeah. Let me finish this, Jesse. Um, Flying from where we live directly to uh, Fort Lauderdale, which is the closest airport, it costs me less to fly from here to Vegas, stay for a night, and then catch a flight from Vegas to Fort Lauderdale and then rinse repeat on the way back. Um, so we're saying two nights at the Cosmo before we fly to Florida, which is the 12th, 13th, 14th next month. And now we'll you got there. a buddy to pick you. You got a buddy to pick you up at the airport. You're good. Hey, I, I got tons of buddies. If you want to but tell you what, so if you're going to do that though, you better bring a friend because my lady, I, I didn't even think about it. She calls up, you know, cause we're platinum at, at, at Cosmo. And I didn't even realize it, Jesse, she calls up and she has the limo dude picking us up from the airport to oh, take yeah. us back to the Cosmo. So you better bring a friend cause we're rolling the limo back. 
Rob. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll bring the only friend I, I got my wife. <laughs> the best fajitas I've ever had were in Vegas at Juan's Flaming Fajitas. Juan's Flaming Fajitas, best fajitas I've ever had. Dad Cash has now that. gone officially off right. the rails. We're talking about fajitas. Yeah, yeah. Right, uh, right down from Sticky Paws, about five minutes away from Sticky Paws. Okay. Yeah, I was just uh, at Sticky today. Uh, and uh, yesterday I was at the Wind for six different podcasts. I uh, listen to this. I'm going to have you guys laugh because I just made a post that always be your authentic self. So uh, I'm friends with Sean Kelly, you know, huge, huge uh, presence in social media. And he says, Hey, Bobby, I'm doing a bunch of shows tomorrow at the wind at blue wire. Can you come greet my guests and keep them busy? Cause he does back to back. And I'm like, that's an opportunity. I get to, cause whoever's going on is going to be like real high level, you know? So the first guest comes in, Sean was, uh, he wasn't there yet you know, wearing a beautiful, beautiful watch and probably in his mid sixties. And we're talking, you know, and, and then, uh, he says casually, he talks about his plane. And then I said, man, if I literally, I said, man, if I was, if I was gay, I would have two planes and $30 million. And he looks at me and he goes, why would you have $30 million? I said, cause I'm on my third marriage. And he died laughing <laughs> and it, and he looks at me and his wife sitting on the couch and he goes, she's my third wife. And he starts dying. Come to find out he's a, like a Harvard grad, huge C, uh, uh, like investor. And he's the founder of Topgolf. Mm. All right. There it is. Nice. And, he, yeah, he and I'm telling him if I was gay, I'd have more money and talking all this, you know, because I, I wouldn't have all these women problems throughout right. the last 15 years. And uh, so that, that's my testimony to just be yourself, because he texted me today and wants to play 18 holes and invited us to go out to his house in Georgia for the Masters. So uh, if I would have been in my, you know, nervous and, and acted different and how are you, sir? And, you know, how most people do instead of just Bobby, uh, I would have missed out on a a huge opportunity, you know? Um, I've noticed doing, yeah. being your authentic self, because I have a hard time being anything but, has gotten me in more trouble than it's advanced me. You know? Oh, definitely. It, it, it's Because it, I work in radio too. I've worked in radio all my, and, and I've, I've lost a job because of me as being my authentic self. I gotta on say the, 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 the better times out, out way. Yeah, the, yeah, they do. Say. But those bad ones, whoof. They're 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 memorable, man. <laughs> they sting. They yeah, sting a little God bit. Damn it, they do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Jesus, man, we are. Uh, you know, we're having a good one. When I just look down at the clock, and we are close. We're getting close to the end of this thing, man. Um, I have a question, Rob. Uh, Bobby, which do you prefer? I go by Bobby, but Rob, whatever. What does your best friend call you? Uh, OB. OB. Actually. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll just stick with Rob then. We haven't quite got there yet. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I think this was such a good episode. I would like for you to commit to a part two somewhere down the line, not too terribly long from now. Um, we'll get into more of the entrepreneur stuff, maybe grind lifestyle, Nick, you got to get him on there. Um, yeah. Shout out to grind. Thanks for all the merch. Um, I've yeah. shared it with some very high level people in my circle out here. Uh, and uh, gave a, gave a shirt away and a hat to another uh, venture capitalist business owner, and certainly been trying to push push you guys a little. We got to get um, some dad cast stuff, Nick. <laughs> we got to get some more content. But See, it's coming. We built we built uh, this uh, this beautiful thing up in Dadcast and got it to a level where Nick can now do his other stuff, and uh, he just said, "Screw Dadcast." You know, now, 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 you now guys, that I used you, it, so I, I, now that I've used you enough to get to this level, now I'm going to push all my other stuff and screw all the merch giving. Uh, have you guys uh, trademarked that name? Cause that's really good. I love that name. No, we, weren't we supposed to do that in 2020, Nick? I don't know. No, that, <laughs> was, back that? The that, that was back in the Marissa days. Yeah. Like 2020, yeah. Jesse, get on that. We'll talk about that later. You probably did trademark it. And just, we don't know about it yet. <laughs> I can look. I'll look into it. She's yeah. And, and then we can tell all the other dad casts out there to kick rocks. Exactly. You know? Yeah. There's I a mean, few yeah, of them, but literally. they're not at the level we are. Not to like. I feel, like, I feel used as the IT guy. Well, I hope so. <laughs> can you guys tell me, uh, before we go, like your dynamic, and I, I don't want to ask you guys questions, your show, but no, like, no, I please, love the energy. man. I love that. Yeah, I love the energy you guys have. You, you guys, like, can you guys tell me about how you guys came together? Like, for all I know, you guys could have grew up together and went to high school, you know? I'm going to start, but I'm going to let Nick go. Because if you've noticed, I'm kind of the talker here. 
Jesse, well done, by the way. You should take some notes, Nick. He's only been doing <laughs> I never one shut episode. Up. Yeah. Jokes yeah. on everybody else. Now I, I get paid to talk. So, <laughs> so I got yeah. you that one episode, dude, that, with Thomas Nicholas. I got you good. You did. You did. And then I was like, ah. And, and so, then I'm like, whoa. 2020, COVID. Shit hit the fan, you know, the world has shut down, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Nick, who I've known for years and years and years, uh, because he, you know, at the time promoted concerts, still does, um, would come to me working because I worked for a radio station and, you know, JP, can you promote this and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. We knew each other for a while. And when the podcast started getting, you know, a big deal a few years back, he's like, we got to do one. We got to do one. And I was always like, get the fuck out of here. I'm busy. And 2020 hit. Finally, we ain't got shit to do. So he says, let's do a podcast. And I says, okay, good. <laughs> What's it going to be about, bro? Talk to me. We can't just have a podcast. This is not Seinfeld of podcasts. We need a tangible idea, et cetera, et cetera. And he spits out, well, we're both dads. And I'm like, ah, that is a goddamn good. Yes, there it is. So there's our idea. We need a name. And I'm like, podcast, dad, dad cast. <gasps> It rolled off the tongue. It was a beautiful thing. It was great. I looked it up. There was a few it. more out I there. Love it. There is one more out there. They're in Ireland. Um, but they were like a, a, an offshoot of a different man. podcast. So <laughs> yeah. that wasn't the big one. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to roll with it. And at the time, the idea was two dads talking about problems we had. Because at the time, Nick was just had his baby. And wasn't allowed in the hospital because of COVID. He couldn't bond Ooh. with his brand new baby. And my lady. Uh, oh, my God. I would have went back to jail. Yeah. My <laughs> and my lady um, was diagnosed with breast cancer and had a double mastectomy. So we're like, <laughs> we both got some issues. Let's get off our chest. And, and it just snowballed into all of a sudden we're getting these, you know, a-list, B-list, or guests on DadCast because, you know, well, you he's got a lot of friends. Hopkins, yep, so. yep. So, yeah. he's got friends. <laughs> I got friends. Brian was hooking yeah. us up, and they loved the premise and the idea of what it was, and it has just grown into it. Jesse down there, didn't I say I was going to let you talk? God damn it. I'm sorry. Jesse down there was actually <laughs> a guest on one of our episodes when we were talking about COVID. Um, there was some local stuff going on and we wanted different opinions. He's on the city council in the city he lives in. And that's where we met him, found out he does all this amazing work with SEO and internet and building websites and all things tech geek. And he, <laughs> we immediately just kind of drew to each other and we hired him to, to run dadcast basically, you know, the website and do all this stuff. And he, he showed so much. We blew up after that. I mean, we were doing real good, but it got bigger, better social media wise, everything through the help of him. And we became real good friends. And then I think he yelled at me and said he felt bad and he really wanted to be a part of the show recently. And I says, okay, there it is. I'm kidding. It was, it was, wasn't that pathetic. Yeah, it it was, kind of went well. It wasn't a so I consulted just, for the last last several years and it's uh, on the back end and it's something that I've I'm passionate about being on the front end as well. But you know, you talked about COVID. Personally, when COVID hit for me, I live in a town about a 45 minute drive from Nick and an hour from JP. And I had to reinvent myself, you know, two different computer science degrees and trying out of trying to figure out how to make that work in a town with twenty five hundred people doesn't really work. You know, I'm on the city council. I'm a business owner. I'm the head varsity baseball coach at the high school here. And so it's, uh, you know, trying to figure it out. So what I did is I created an, I, an AI program that intertwines with the different to do different types of promotion. And so it's, uh, you know, from YouTube promotion to SEO, to website, to social media marketing. Um, have you heard of Sean Ellington, Murder Nova on Discovery Channel, Street Outlaws? Yeah, absolutely. I manage all their shit. He's the guy. <laughs> Yeah. So well, I used to be in uh, the club life in Northern California. I won't get into that, but yeah, I know all, I've watched all, all that stuff, you know? So it's a, you know, I, I picked them up, you know, it's, you were talking about being genuine. I literally went to Vegas in September, walked up to their pit, handed them a business card and said, we need to talk and turn around and walked away. And four <laughs> months later, I got, four months later, I got a phone call. And That's so, awesome. Yeah. So it's uh it's, it's worked great. Um, but that, that's who I am. But more than anything, I'm a fan of JP and Nick's and what they're doing. And so yeah, and you guys are up. Where, where exactly are you guys? Uh, Very southern end of the state. Southern Oregon. Right off the I-5. Right over the border. Okay. Because I've been uh, uh, up to Mount uh, Bachelor uh, up there. That's about four hours away. Yeah. Yeah. But one of my buddies I was in Iraq with, when I first went to California to go to school, 
I got there in May and I didn't start school till September and I didn't have a job. And his uncle lives uh, an hour south of Bend and he does construction. He was like, Hey, just come live with me. I'll give you a 200 bucks a day if, if you bust your ass. So I worked in Bend, Oregon. We drove up there every day and, you know, all these uh, wealthy people, we rich, ripped out, you know, bathrooms and actually got stung by like 13 wasps and uh, almost died and got rushed to the hospital and got shut, stuck with Ativan. Murder that was wasps. closing up. Yeah. I was with his net, his son, a poor kid, 18 years old. I come into the house after getting murdered by these big wasps. And I said, we've got to go. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, we have to get to the hospital right now. And I'm trying to not like scare him even more, but I'm literally suffocating. And I'm like, I'm fine. Put on your hazards and go faster. And I'm dying next to him choking. And I'm, t- and I'm like, I'll be all right. You know, he's like, Oh my God. And we got there and I like, I dragged in and got oxygen and got stuck and like came back. But, uh, I feel bad. I, I scarred that kid, but we ripped the deck out and underneath the deck was a big thing of wasps. And they, they got me like 30 something times in the head and the neck. And it just, damn. Yeah. Not fun. I came in the house and was like, we got to go <laughs> all red. And yeah. So all right. that was my last time in freaking Oregon. <laughs> I got one final question because time is up. We totally got to do a part two, maybe even a three. Yeah. Um, the final question, I like to feel that it's one of the most important questions I ask on this show. Uh, Rob, if you were to impart any advice on any dad or soon to be dad, what's it going to be? It's all going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Um, don't overthink it as you, you can't control it anyway. Yeah. Just one foot in front of the other. And yeah, that that's literally, it's even if it's not all right, it's going to be all right. I, I, Cause I, I'm an overthinker, drive myself crazy. My dad told me that after nine 11. Um, and he said, Bobby, if you worry about the things you can't control, you'll drive yourself crazy. Yeah. So, you know, try to, uh, how to just realize it's, it's all okay. It's going to be okay. You know, and just keep going and, and, and lead with love, you know, especially with, with these babies and then we're imprinting on them every single day. And, uh, as no men, pressure. we want to be no pressure at all. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, just cruise, you know, and that's a guy who's been doing dad stuff for almost 20 years. And, you know, uh, so it's easy, easier said than done, but, uh, everybody's going to have stress. You're always going to worry about the next dollar. You're going to worry about that next bill and the things that the pressure lean on other dads, like we're doing right now, uh, and be open and honest and transparent with the people that you trust. Cause everybody walks around like they're fine and like, everything's cool. Everything's not all right. And, and if you guys know the guy that has everything together, I'd love to meet him. So I could tell him he's a liar. Um, <laughs> but that's it. Yeah. Everything, everything's going to be all right. You quoting know. Mr. Marley. All right. Nick, you got anything? No, nah, man, I'm good. We need, we definitely need a part two. For sure. You know what we should do when, you, when you're in Vegas, we'll go to Sticky Paws and we can do a Zoom call with DadCast and have two and two if you guys wanted. And We've done know, it. We can, We've been there and done that before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Depending on the lady and how much time. Get, yeah. If you get me the hell out of the casino, that's all. I'll never, take care of the, it's never a bad hour. You know what I mean? I'll take care of the studio time too. Uh, I'll, I'll take care of the hour for us. We'll chit chat after um, we're done with this. Cause we got, you know, we've got two things. Yeah. We need to ask uh, about. Hey, hey, before you, before you go, sorry. I'm just, we all know Brian. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Brian's the most sweet human in the world. What do you guys think of the stuff that he's going, he's got on oh his channel? Right now? Oh, oh man. Boy. Dude, it's awesome. I just watched, it's awesome. I just watched the post current episode, dude. And yeah. tried calling him cause Brian and I have gotten super close too. And I tried calling him and he didn't answer today. And I just want to give that boy a hug. <laughs> dude, that, that last clip, I thought Brian was going to kick that dude's ass. I'm like, fuck. Yes, do it. Oh, man. <laughs> God. You know, that, but wow. hey, hey, good for him. Because that content is, I, I think that particular short I just saw was like, it, like, it was not even an hour or so in. I, and it's I like, doubled everything and he's I already done. It's like TMZ's involved now. So, who knows? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I was supposed to be there at one o'clock that day. And I'm glad I didn't go because, you know, I'm that friend. You get my buddy's fan. I'm trying to do better. I'm getting older. But, you know, uh, that guy didn't understand how big Brian was until he actually met Brian. You know, he's such a soft spoken yeah. sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and yeah. you meet him and you're like, oh my goodness. Oh, you know? yeah, real quick. So, I got a funny Brian story. The first time I had Brian up here in Oregon was like, eight or nine years ago for a concert and we're at this bar in Medford and just doing stuff. And one of the the crew guys started talking shit 
to somebody in the in the crowd and right before the show brian jumps up he's probably four feet taller than this dude and runs over <laughs> scares the shit out of the poor guy my mother-in-law jumps in the middle no 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 and she's and became like brian's bodyguard is the kind of the joke now of she protects brian everywhere he goes it's it's hilarious brian don't need protecting yeah, no, you know, no, he's, he's fine. Brian, you're good. <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, it was hilarious though. You had to I, I told you guys I, I get emotional. I just I just got teary eyed thinking about how good life is and, and being in a, on a call with you guys and like I you know, so for the people who think like it's never gonna change, like it can. I I'm living proof six years later and I'm I'm having conversations with men and fathers and people that are just tremendous. And uh, I shouldn't, I didn't think I'd ever be alive to see that day. So, you know, thank you so, so I, much. I appreciate for, you guys, you know, thank you so much for coming and not being afraid to tell your story and, and being yeah. with us. And we've enjoyed it and can't wait to have you back. Stick around after JP uh, hits that stop and let's make sure that we can exchange some phone numbers. I'm in Vegas a ton, dude. Yeah. Ditto. So. Yeah, I'll be a, we'll talk soon. Awesome. Anytime. And to everyone watching worldwide, wherever you may be and however you may be watching or listening, thank you so much for taking the time to check out DadCast. We appreciate you. We love you. And if you do too, comment, like, subscribe, do all the things that is required on social media. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch you next week on the very next episode of DadCast. Have a great rest of your night, day, morning, whatever. See ya. Peace out. <laughs>